Thank you for joining us today. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you're about to watch is from our series, Life Marks, Evidence of a Life with Jesus. At Hope, we exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. This series is designed to help you do exactly that. If you're joining us for the first time, I wanna be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Amen. Well, good morning, Hope Church family. If I've never gotten the chance to meet you, my name is Trenton. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's my honor to teach God's word to you this morning. If you've got God's word, I want you to open it to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be there in a few minutes, but we're just going to jump right in today. Last week, if you were with us, we began a brand new series called Life Marks evidence of a life with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you didn't get the opportunity to listen to that sermon or be a part of this gathering, I want to encourage you, please go back and listen to it because Pastor Scott lays out incredibly important realities for us as we begin this series as well as for the rest of our year. But picking up on what he taught last week, I want to remind you that we as a church, we have a mission, we have a target, we have a goal, and we say it this way, that we exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. And we've asked the question, what does the life of a Jesus follower look like? And, and we said that it, a life of a follower of Jesus is all about relationships, specifically three key relationships. We talk about them this way, that a Jesus follower first abides in Christ. This is our relationship with God. Secondly, a Jesus follower connects in community. This is how we share life together with other followers of Jesus. And then finally, we have a relationship with the world, with people who do not yet know Jesus. And, and the way we talk about that is that we share in the mission. The life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. But a few years ago, the lead team of pastors here identified things that we call life marks. These life marks really are in response to asking the question, okay, if a follower of Jesus is, in fact, abiding in Christ, connecting in community, and sharing in the mission, what's going to be evident in that person's life? The reason we wrestled with that question is because we really do believe this statement. Here's the statement. That becoming the kind of pe person who abides in Christ, connects in community, and shares in the mission will result in certain things that mark our lives. We call these things life marks. And for each of our key relationships, abiding, connecting, and sharing, there are five life marks for each relationship. And as we begin this year, we want to remind you of the life marks that we're going to study to begin this series, but also to infuse in our church throughout the rest of our year. If you were with us last week, you know the first one we talked about was that a life mark of abiding in Christ is that we love and live in God's word. Loving and live, living in God's word, making it our home is evidence of a life with Jesus. For our connecting relationship, we talked about how, and we're gonna talk about how serving your church is an evidence of Jesus pressing his life in and through your life. And then for our share relationship, one of the evidences of you being able to share in the mission locally and globally is being able to share your story of how Jesus has transformed your life. Now on the docket for today is our connecting relationship, serving your church. Now just want to be very clear before we jump in and just start asking you to do a whole bunch of stuff, 
we want to answer two questions. And here's the first question that we want to answer as it relates to serving your church. We want to answer the question, why? Like seriously, why should we as followers of Jesus be serving our church? And the reason we want to answer this question is because you just need to know, Hope Church, we are not interested in twisting your arm and manipulating you and guilting you into serving your church. We're not interested in that. We are interested in all of us having biblical motivations for everything we do, including serving our church. And so we want to look at some reasons why, from the scriptures, why all of us should be involved in serving our church if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus. But the second question we want to ask is, okay, after we've answered why, now we want to ask how. How can all of us, as followers of Jesus, How can we begin to serve our church if we never have? And if we currently are, how can we continue to do that faithfully in the way that God has purposed us to? Because here's what we believe. That God has designed all of us to play unique and indispensable roles in the church. And we want to talk about today a framework. And we want to talk about this framework as a way of discovering who God has made us to be and how God intends for us to serve in his kingdom, okay? And so let me just say this as we begin. If you're here today, and you already are serving your church, hear this as a heartfelt, honest reality. Thank you. Like, if you are serving our church, thank you. We cannot do, and we are not who we are without you. Whether you serve in the kids' ministry, the preschool, in our community ministry, in our guest services area, thank you. And Hope Creative, I know I'm missing stuff. Thank you, though. We are who we are because you serve the role you serve in. So as we begin, though, I want to encourage you, if you already are serving, this message is just as much for you as it is for somebody who's not yet serving. Why? Because what we're going to talk about today, I believe, is going to provide you a deeper foundation, a stronger foundation from which you can serve from, but it's also going to help you discover more ways God has purpose for you to serve in his kingdom and make the biggest difference you can. So with that being said, if you want to answer the question, why should I serve my church, say, I want to answer that question. (laughs) You don't want to answer it. It's okay. I'm going to answer it for you anyway. Here we go. Why should I serve my church? Here's the first and maybe the most important reason. Here's why. Because Jesus was a servant. Because Jesus was a servant. You remember this story? Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and they were bickering over wanting to be great, wanting to be significant, wanting to be first in the kingdom. And Jesus, in responding to those desires in his disciples, here's what he says. He said, disciples, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. See, Martin Luther King was just quoting Jesus. You see that? And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And even as the Son of Man, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I remember thinking about Philippians chapter 2. Remember this? Philippians chapter 2, Jesus, it said of him that he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself by becoming a servant. Jesus was a servant. Notice here that Jesus doesn't condemn the disciples' desires for significance, greatness, and being first. He simply redefines for them what true greatness actually looks like. And he says, if you want to truly be great, you don't do it like the world does it. You do it like I've done it. You become a servant. You become 
a servant. See, and this is incredible because if there was ever someone in history who deserved to be served, it was Jesus. And yet Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one worthy of all of our worship, the one worthy to be served, he comes and he serves those of us who don't deserve it. This is Jesus. And he came serving sacrificially. He came giving his life as a ransom. And so here's what that means for us today. The only ultimate reason why you and I have life today in Jesus' name is because Jesus was a servant. If you have a relationship with Jesus today, it's because Jesus came as a servant. Now the question's got to be asked, if that's how Jesus lived his life then, how does now that he's going to live through us, how does our life look now in response to that? And the answer is the exact same way. In the exact same way. But here's the key. The key to living out this serving lifestyle in the same way Jesus did, it's not going to happen by us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and trying to serve the church in our own strength. We don't need what we can do in our own strength. We need what Jesus can do. This is why Major Ian Thomas, an evangelist, he wrote a book called The Indwelling Life of Christ. I highly, highly recommend it. Here's what he said, summarizing the totality of the Christian life in his opinion. Here's what he says. The Christian life is nothing less than the life which he lived then, lived now by him in you. See, the key, Jesus follower, is not for us to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and serve in our own strength but rather we surrender to the Spirit of God living inside of us and we allow him to live his serving life in and through ours. It's possible that we are never more like Jesus than when we serve. We serve because this is who Jesus is. But here's the second reason we serve. We serve because the local church is only as healthy as people function according to divine design. Let me put it as bluntly as I possibly can. Hope Church is only going to be as healthy as we all play the role that God in his sovereignty has designed for us to play. Paul, speaking to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, he speaks to this idea. Listen to what he says. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint by which it is equipped, When each part, this is us, when each part is working properly, playing the role we are designed to play, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The vision of a thriving local church in the scriptures is a vision of a church where in a local context, everybody who calls this church home and is a follower of Jesus, that we are playing the roles that God in his sovereignty has designed for us to play, specifically for the building up of the church. And when we do that, when we function like that, we become a healthy church. And here's what we know. Healthy things grow, don't they? Healthy things grow. And so let's just be clear this morning. We need you. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, we need you to play the role that God has designed for you to play if Hope Church is ever going to be a healthy, growing church. See, and you might be thinking at this moment, man, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, man, because, I mean, look at this place. (laughs) There's over a 1,000 people in this room right now. You've got two other services. I mean, think about it. We're sending out missionaries. We're sending out church plants. We're engaging in our city. It seems to me like everything's 
taken care of, it doesn't seem like you actually really need me. Well, if you're thinking that way, let me just give you an illustration that might help make this come, come to life a little bit more. So for me, I've told you this before, but I'm a golfer. Sorry for the sports illustrations for those of you who don't care. It's just my life, sorry. Uh, but I'm a golfer, and I remember it was my senior year of high school, and it was the first, uh, first tournament of the year. And so I was so excited, but the, the, the key to the story was I was entering into my golf season a little bit injured. I had just finished my football season, and so I had some shoulder pain and some back pain. You could say I was, when it comes to health, I was probably about 70% health. 70% there. I wasn't fully healthy, but I was, I was good enough to play and do some good things. And so I remember we start the tournament. It was a freezing cold day in February in North Georgia. It was almost like Kansas City yesterday in that football game. <laughs> like literally it was snowing in this golf tournament. It was wild. Why were we playing golf in snow? That's just North Georgia for you. <laughs> um, and so I, I start this golf tournament. And again, I'm a little injured and, and I make my way through 13 holes. I'm playing all right. I'm playing okay. But I'll never forget, I get to the 14th tee box. I pull out my driver, and I'm getting ready to hit a drive right down the middle of the fairway. And I'm in, I'm in some pain, but I grab my driver, and I pull the driver back, and then I go to swing forward. And as soon as I swing forward, here's what I hear. Rip! My driver literally looks like a helicopter. I threw it. It was like... I found out, after I had to withdraw from the tournament and go to the hospital, I found out that on the 14th hole, I had torn my rotator cuff. In addition to tearing my rotator cuff, I got an x-ray done, and I found out also that I had a broken rib in my back that I had been living with, but not, not knowing I was living with. So I had a broken rib and a torn rotator cuff. And long story short, I tell you that to say, I didn't get to enjoy my senior season of golf. I love playing golf. I love being able to, to do those things. I love being able to do it with my friends. And so I, did, I missed out on the joy of being able to play, but also we're a team. We're a golf team. There's six golfers who play in any given tournament. And because I was injured and missed most of my senior season, I wasn't able to play the role that I was designed to play, and therefore I hurt my team in the long run. Why do I tell you that story? What if, as a church, just like me, what if we're operating at 70% health? Think about it. We've got unbelievable things happening here. We're playing the game, if you will. We're serving, we're making a difference in our city, in Las Vegas, the West and the world. We're doing that, but what if, just for a moment, we're, we're only doing it at 70% because not everybody's playing the role that God encourages them and purpose for them to play? And here's where I just can't help but think, what if, what might be possible if we move from 70% health to 100% health? What might happen, what God might do in and through our church if we were fully healthy as a church functioning the way God has designed us to function? What might be possible? I mean, truthfully, in all honesty, I get emotional thinking about all the good things that God has done in my own life as a result of you and this church. When I think about all that God has done, it's unbelievable to me. But you know what happens when I think about what if we're only at 70%? What might happen if we get to 100? Man, my mind starts to blow thinking about the possibilities of how this church could make an impact for the glory of God in our city and around the West and around the world. I think, man, what might be possible if all of us played our role? Healthy things grow. Here's the third reason. It's not just about us functioning well as a church corporately. It's also 
Serving your church is just as much about your spiritual formation as it is our healthy function as the church. Serving your church is just as much about what God is doing in you as it is what God is going to do through us. See, and this is one of my great desires for our church as, as the individual on our team who now gets to play the role of spiritual formation pastor here at this church. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable privilege for me to serve in this way. And here's my prayer. As the spiritual formation pastor of our church, my prayer is that every single one in our church would see that what God cares most about is not what you produce for him, but who you're becoming in him. Maybe this might be the whole sermon for somebody. I want to tell you, Hope Church, Jesus follower, God cares more about who you're becoming than what you're producing. How do I know this? Because Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29 tells us this is what God is doing. Here's what we say. Here's what we see. Romans chapter 8, it says, we know this verse. We know that for those who love God, all things, the good and the bad, the big and the small, the easy and the hard, all things work together for good. Isn't that great? That's worthy of rejoicing in. But here's the question. What is the good? What is God using everything in your life ultimately for, for this good? Well, verse 29 tells us, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He's planned to be conformed, shaped, molded to the image of his son. Do you see it? This verse is teaching us, this unbelievable promise from God is teaching us that God is using everything, everything in your life, including your serving of the church, to make you more like Jesus. To make you more like Jesus. If you've ever gone on a cross-cultural mission trip, you know this to be true. You get on that plane, and maybe you're going to South Africa, and, and you're going to South Africa ready to change the lives of all these people. You get on that plane, you go, and you have an amazing time, but then you get back on that plane coming back home to Vegas, and you realize, oh my gosh, I got on this plane going to change people's lives, and I'm getting back on this plane realizing that my life has been changed. This is the design from God. I want to encourage you to write this down. This is the design all the time, that when we serve, here's what happens. God gets the glory, people get blessed, and you get the transformation. And so, why should we serve? Here's why. Because this is who Jesus is. We're only going to be a healthy, growing church when we're all playing the roles God has designed for us to play. And when we serve, we get transformed just as much as the people we get to serve. So hopefully now at this point, you're ready to ask the question, okay, now how? How do I really step in and engage in this? How should we really do this? Should we just jump in and start filling any need that the church has? Maybe. Should we just tell the pastors and leaders of the church, hey, here's where I want to serve, so you make this happen for me? Maybe. How should we really make this happen? How should we serve our church? Well, like I said before, we've got to think about this for a minute. If the church is only as healthy as we operate in the ways God has designed us to operate, we've got to figure out who has he designed us to be and how does he intend for us to operate? But that creates a tension. It creates a healthy tension for some of us because here's the problem. We don't know how God designed us. 
We don't know the roles that God intends for us to play. We don't know how God has formed us. We know David says that, you know, in Psalm 139, that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. All of you, all of us. But the question is, okay, great, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but what have you made me to do? (laughs) Maybe that's just me. But I know for me, as a follower of Jesus, when I gave my life to Jesus at 16, I desired with everything in my being to live as faithfully and as effective for the sake of the kingdom as possible. I don't know about you, but I don't want to run the risk of misliving. I don't want to run the risk of serving in roles and playing in ways that God hasn't actually designed me to function in and to play in. I want to know my sweet spot. Does anybody else? But the question is, how do we figure that out? How do we discover the design God has for us as individuals as well as for the church church corporately? And so for that, we turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, Paul the Apostle is writing a letter to, to Christians in the city of Rome. For the first 11 chapters, he's teaching unbelievable theology and truth about the gospel. And now in chapter 12, he's, he's turning the page And he's showing us, in light of all of this theology, in light of all of this knowledge of God and the grace of God and mercy of God, in light of all of that, here's now how this theology should start playing itself out in your life. And just side note, if your theology never makes it through to actually changing your life, you might have bad theology. And so Paul's going, we've got all of this theology, and now we're going to talk about how it should play itself out Practically, And that's where we find ourselves in Romans chapter 12. And so I'm going to read this. This is eight verses. I'm going to read it pretty quickly because we got some more things to talk about, and I'm on a clock. Here we go. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't you want that? Man, I do too. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many... Are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You see, all of this is in the context of the church. Verse 6 Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. This is God's word. Now, I don't have time today to talk about all the things that I would love to talk about from this passage, but what I do want to talk about is that I believe that Paul, in these eight verses, lays out a process for discovering over the course of time what God's perfect will is for us in regards to who he made us to be and how he intends for us to serve. And I want to highlight that process that Paul lays out here. Here's the first thing that this process starts with. Number one, it starts with surrender. It starts with surrender. We've already sang about this today, but listen to what Paul says again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, in light of everything I've just shown you, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, this verse teaches us that in light of all that God has done in all of this rich theology, the only proper response to our king is surrender. Is surrender with our lives. The kind of surrender that Paul's talking about here is twofold. First, it's all-encompassing. When Paul says present your bodies, he's using the word bodies, he's using the Greek word soma. This word soma is literally the word for your physical body. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, Jesus follower, as you begin this process, don't just give God your mind, don't just give God your heart, give him literally your whole body. There is nothing off limits to God's rule and reign in your life. Why? Because he is our creator. And as our creator, he has the rights. And so when God is inviting us to surrender, we don't just surrender part of our life to Jesus, we surrender all of our life to Jesus. We say to Jesus, there is not a part of me, not a part of me, not a public part of me, not a private part of me, not my mind, not my feelings, not my actions, not my words. God, you have every bit of me. I am yours. So as this relates to serving, the call on our lives is not to tell God, God, here's how I want to serve. The call on our lives is to get before God Almighty and go, God, you tell me how you want me to serve. I am yours. I am your creation. Here is my spiritual worship. I'm offering my life up as a living sacrifice. It's all-encompassing. Not only is it all-encompassing, but it should happen all the time. See, that's the problem with being a living sacrifice. Jesus doesn't actually call us to physically destroy ourselves. He calls us to lay our lives down spiritually, to give all of our body spiritually over to him. And see, that's the problem with being the living sacrifice. See, as a living sacrifice, we've got a mind of our own, don't we? We've got desires of our own. We've got dreams of our own. We've got all of these passions and all these desires and all these feelings, some good and some bad. And see, some of us, we've given our lives to Jesus at a certain point, and we said, yes, Jesus, you're mine. I surrender to you. And then Monday came. And when Monday came, our flesh and the enemy says, hey, listen, you don't actually want to live his way. You want to live your way. See, this is why we're called to surrender daily, maybe even moment by moment. Moment by moment, going, God, my life is yours. Whatever you want from me, whenever you want it from me, however you want it, wherever you want it, God, my answer is yes. I'm yours. See, it starts from surrender. So let me ask you a question. Are you living a life from a place of complete surrender to God? Complete surrender to God. This is where the process begins, but there's more. We move from a place of surrender to a process of discerning through testing. Here's what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. See, back, going back to last week, the primary way that you and I experience transformation in our lives, specifically the renewal of our mind, is through the reading and living in and loving in the word of God. It's through God's word, through his truth, that as we submit ourselves to it, he begins to renew and transform our mind. Why does he do that? Here's one reason. So that by testing, 
testing. This word test, it's the word for examine to, or to prove. It's not like a pop quiz where God is going to test your knowledge on the will of God. It's, it's rather, it's more like through a process, you begin to prove, you begin to test what actually is God's will for your life. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So as we study God's truth from a posture of surrender, here's what happens. God begins to transform our mind so that the way we think is the way he thinks. So that the way we feel is the way he feels. So that the way we act is the way he acts. See, he changes us from the inside out. And as he changes us, he puts us in positions where we have to now start to discern, okay, God, where are you leading me? Let me give you a story that might illustrate the point and make it come alive a little bit more. So for me, I've told you this before, but I just keep bringing it up because I just think it communicates clearly what, we're, what God's trying to do in all of our lives. When I was 16 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I surrendered my life to Jesus. And, and immediately upon surrendering my life to Jesus, I got the opportunity to to go tell people about how Jesus has changed my life in the country of Honduras on a, on a mission trip. And I go on this mission trip with my high school ministry, and while I'm there, man, I just, as honest as I can tell you, God just creates in me this insatiable desire to tell people and lead people to Jesus, to tell people about how Jesus has transformed my life. And, and so I'm on this trip, and I'm getting to do that, and I'm seeing God do stuff, and I get to come home from this mission trip, and when I come home, I'm still feeling this. I'm still desiring these things, and as I read the Word, I see these are things that God wants me to desire. And so I went to one of my mentors, my youth pastor at the time. His name is Rick Young. I actually got to talk to Rick this week, and we still have an unbelievable relationship. And, and I went to my youth pastor, and I said, Pastor Rick, I've got all these desires. I've, I, I've just been saved, but now I, I don't know what to do here. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what God might want for my life. What should I do? And here's what he said. You should serve. I said, okay, where should I serve? He said, I've got the perfect position for you. You're 16 years old. I've got it for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to teach a sixth grade Sunday school class. <laughs> God bless those sixth graders. <laughs> and honestly, God bless me because I said yes to that opportunity. I got into that class and literally for the next two years as I taught them, Man, these kids could not care less about what I was teaching them. <laughs> like, they just could not care. But I felt like this is what the Lord wanted me to do. Through the desires, through his word, from a place of surrender, this was the opportunity put in front of me. And so I stepped out in faith and said, okay, I want to serve in this capacity. And as I started to serve, as I spent time in God's word, I started to see and was able to test, wait a minute, I think, I think maybe these this, this way of serving, this teaching thing might be, might be part of God's will for my life as a way to make a difference for the sake of his kingdom, which eventually led me to the third aspect of this process, which was we move from discerning through testing to now we start to discover through the church, through the body, who God made us to be and how he's gifted us to serve. Here's what Paul the apostle says. Again, he says, for the, by gr the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, pause for just a moment. You know how hard it is as an individual not connected to other people to think rightly about yourself? See, for me, depending on the day, I'm either thinking of myself way too highly or, let's be honest, way too lowly. 
I'm not thinking of myself with sober judgment. And one of the reasons that Paul places this right here is one of the ways we start to discover who God made us to be is that through the church, God's people, brothers and sisters, can help us think with sober judgment about our lives. Because I have blind spots, people. There are things that I just don't know about my life, and that's one of the gifts of the body. That's one of the gifts of community is they can help us think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So here's what happens. As we serve, other members of the body start calling out the way they see the Spirit of God living his life through us. These are what gifts are. Gifts are not skills. Gifts are the Spirit's life being pressed out through your life. It's the characteristics of the Spirit of God. And as we serve, the church calls these things out. And they say, hey, you're being a blessing here. Hey, you're making a difference here. We want to help you discover how God has made you. And this is exactly what happened in my life. So as I started to serve in all these various capacities, as I started to serve in this sixth grade class, I'm teaching, and here's what happened. These like 26th grade boys that I was having to teach, none of them cared about anything I had to say, but by the end of two years, one of them did. (laughs) One of them did. His name was Will Franklin, and he gave his life to Jesus, and he's still following Jesus to this day. And so I recognized, wait a minute, God actually might be using this teaching thing. And so what I did is I started going to mentors and pastors. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Chip about it this week. I don't know if you know this. Pastor Chip, our executive pastor of ministry, he's known me since I was a baby. Can you imagine now working for this guy? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But we, we, Pastor Chip was one of my pastors at the church that I grew up in. And, and I remember going and sitting with Pastor Chip and being like, Pastor Chip, you know how crazy I am. <laughs> you know how wild I am. You know I'm a, I'm a crazy teenager, but... Do you think this might be a way that the Lord is leading? It might be God's will on my life to participate and to, to join in God's activity by being a pastor and a teacher and a, and a preacher. And you know what he said? Yeah, I think God's using you that way. So, listen, it's because of Chip that now you all have to deal with me. <laughs> so if you ever got problems, blame him. <laughs> But do you see my point? As a 17-year-old kid, I said, God, I just want to be surrendered to you. I just want to do whatever you want me to do. And as I surrendered and through his word and through counsel, through the body, and as I served, God started to reveal, hey, hey, Trent, here's your sweet spot. Here's your sweet spot. Go make a difference. See, this verse tells us that we all have been gifted. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know how you know you're gifted? Because the Spirit of God lives inside of you. That's what these gifts are. It's the Spirit's life being pressed out through your life. We've all been gifted, but here's the other key. We've all been gifted differently. Differently. And Paul's going to argue in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that this is a good thing. Listen to this. Look at this. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? 
If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members. God has arranged us in the body, each one of them, as he chose. As he chose. So you're gifted, not because you've decided you're gifted that way. You're gifted because God decided you're gifted that way. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Here's the point. We've all been gifted, and we've all been gifted differently, and that's a good thing. You know why? Because here's what God's doing with your life. He's painting a picture through your life and through our church of the manifold wisdom of God. He's painting a picture to the world and showing through the church, this is what God is like. And as we play the roles that God has sovereignly designed to play, we paint a clearer picture to the world of this is who our Savior is. And when we play that part well, here's what happens. That picture becomes incredibly compelling. It becomes incredibly beautiful. Why? Because that's who God is. That's who God is. And as we play our role, as we play our role, God paints that picture and we do it in the way he's designed us to do it. So as we serve, we're, we're wrapping up. We discern through the affirmation of others how God has gifted us. And then once we get that, here's the fourth thing, we deploy for service. We deploy these gifts for kingdom service. Check this out. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. We've all been gifted. We've all been gifted differently. And the Lord, the sovereign king of the universe, desires for you to use those gifts. It is not honoring to the giver of a gift to receive that gift and never enjoy it or use it. And so we honor the Lord as we're good stewards with what he's given us by his spirit. We honor him. And here's what's so exciting to me as we finish. God in his sovereignty has apparently chosen and apparently believes that the best thing, the best thing for Las Vegas, the best thing for the West, and the best thing for the world in this moment in history is for these people to be in this room and for these people to be gifted in the way he has chosen. Here's the deal. If God wanted other people here, if God wanted other gifts here, they'd be here. But guess what? They're not. We're here. And apparently that means that God thinks that we are the people for this moment in history to take this church into the kingdom of God for the glory of God and the good of our city. We've got everything we need. We've got everything you need. we need. You know why? Because we've got him and we've got each other. So here's the encouragement. Serve as you can, not as you can't. <laughs> serve as you can, not as you can't. If you can't serve seven days a week, 24 hours a day, don't serve that way. <laughs> God has played, made all of us uniquely to play certain roles in the body for the building up of the church. If you don't have a gift of teaching, don't try to teach. It's okay. However God has designed you, with whatever you've got today, serve as you can, not as you can't. How might God be leading you to deploy what he's given you in service for the kingdom right now? See, what if this year, we move from 70% health to 80. 
That'd be better, wouldn't it? See, we're not called to perfection, but we are called to progress. So let's use and be good stewards of what God has given us. But as we close, I want to encourage everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes. Just want to encourage you to ask the question, to wrestle with, God, how do you want me to serve? How do you want me to deploy these gifts for your kingdom? Here's what I want to encourage you, everybody. If you're in here today and you want to get involved in serving and discovering and walking through this process of how God has made you to serve and made you to participate in his kingdom, here's what I want to ask all of us to do. If we can go out into the lobbies. In the lobby, we've got the guest services table, and then at the TVs, we have a QR code. That if you just scan that QR code, fill out that form, you will just give us your information so that we can begin a conversation with you trying to help you discover who God made you to be and where he intends for you to serve. We've got other ministry leaders out in the lobby who would love to talk to you. If you already know this is where you feel like God has led you to serve, whether it's in the kids' ministry or the community or something else, man, we've got people out there ready to have a conversation with you. But here's the final thing. The whole reason we can serve is because Jesus has first served us. The whole reason we have the life we have is because Jesus has served us. And so more than I want us walking out of here thinking about all the ways we're going to go serve God, I want us to, to remember and think about all the ways that Jesus has served us. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, here's where you begin. You begin with surrender. You say, Jesus, my life is yours. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you do that. We're going to have pastors down here at the altar, at these steps. And if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus and receive the love of God in Christ for you on your behalf, we would be honored to have a conversation with you about that. But for the rest of us, like I said, we're going to have pastors down here. We'd be honored to pray with you about something going on in your life or anything like that. We love you. We love you. And we want to all together work together for the glory of God and the good of this city. So would we respond in whatever way the Lord leads? Lord Jesus, we love you. Jesus, today, every day, it's about you, God. You are our king. And so, God, we all, we want to surrender. We want to say yes to you, whatever you want for our lives. In whatever way you want, we want to say yes, Lord. So, God, would you lead us now to respond in whatever way you choose? We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all stand with me as we sing?